Hello, this is Mike Gettle and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hops. Welcome to the 18th episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Binds. Steve, this is the first time we're able to say Yakima Chief Hops. Yeah, we had quite a uh, quite a day last week celebrating uh, not only our, our past 30 years of history, but also uh, our new brand, uh, Yakima Chief Hops. And uh, we've got the new website up and... Uh, uh, everyone here is excited. I'm, I'm, you can't see it on radio, but I'm wearing uh, the new uh, T-shirt today and the hat and everything, and we're excited. And, and, and our new color scheme is uh, red, white, and blue, and the T-shirt is red, and so it's very appropriate. We're talking with uh, a Cincinnati Reds fan and, and brewery today. Absolutely. We're, uh, we're very pleased today to welcome Dennis Kramer Wine from Rheingeist Brewery in Cincinnati, uh, Dennis, uh, welcome aboard and uh, welcome to our podcast. Hey guys, thanks a lot. We're uh, we're starting off the day uh, drinking some of your wine. I've got uh, the Rheingeist uh, Truth IPA. Um, what are you drinking, Steve? I've got the Cloud Five Hazy, and I got to tell you, this is outstanding beer. And I've got to believe, just by the taste, that we've got a lot of our hops in this beer. Um, I'm, I'm guessing yeah. there's some mosaic and citra, maybe a little bit of Simcoe. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. Awesome. Yeah. It was sort of a bit of, it was a bit of a hot bomb, uh, to celebrate our, our five, our five year anniversary this year, uh, which was just last month. Yep. We, uh, definitely like just a little bit of beer with our hops around here and this definitely fits <laughs> the bill. And the truth is fantastic nice. as well. Is truth your? And uh, I don't even know if there's such a thing as a flagship anymore for most places. Uh, recipes and uh, tastes are changing so quickly. But uh, is truth one of your uh, long-standing beers, Dennis? Yeah, yeah. It was one of our core brands when we first launched five years ago, and it's remained definitely our flagship. Um, and and I think that breweries still do have flagships, at least when you play in the IPA realm. You know, that's that's going to be your that's going to be your big seller if you're doing it, uh, if you're doing it well. And, and that's really approachable with, you know, Amarillo and Citra, Simcoe, Centennial in there. So uh, it's, it's approachable to a wide range of people uh, that really like fruitiness and, and good balance and stuff in a West Coast IPA. You guys, I mean, these are really good beers, uh, and but you're you're and and you're only five years you five years old, but your growth has been explosive in Cincinnati, which is uh, <laughs> yeah. pretty amazing. I mean, what what do you attribute that to? Why you know, obviously the beer is fantastic, but what what is it that you're doing down there that's making you so successful in such a short period of time? River water. All right. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the mighty yeah, Ohio. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, it's interesting. I think about that, I think, a lot. Um, and, and really, you know, you, you could say sort of, you could say things like right place at the right time, but I think it's, it's a recipe uh, that makes anything really special, whether it's food or beer or whatever. And in, in our case, it's, it, it's definitely, you know, your product has to speak for itself. It has to win customers over it has to get them to come back for more. Um, and with 6,500 craft breweries in the country now, you know, that's, that's going to be a big challenge. So from, from the start, we've just, we've tried to zero in on some of the best beers in the world. And we've tried to, um, to do, you know, as well with them, according to flavor profiles and sales data and so on. But if you, if you look at sort of that explosive growth over those five years for us, 
it's a it's the giant combination between you know people are a huge part of it um you know people that really take their job seriously they work really hard and we have a heck of a lot of fun doing it um and then in cincinnati it was sort of a market that was ripe uh when we when we launched i think there was around 13 breweries in the city uh there's now around 45 wow and um but nobody really controlled it there's a lot of beer drinkers here and sort of a, I don't know, a little known fact, at least in the craft beer world, is that pre-prohibition, Cincinnati was sort of like a like the Napa Valley of beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were over 30 breweries in our neighborhood, in our neighborhood alone, like in downtown Cincinnati. And it was a lot of, it was a lot of German lagers, um, which is where our, the, the name of our neighborhood is, is from, is called Over the Rhine. Um, and it was settled by German immigrants who thought that the canal system looked like the Rhine river. But hmm. anyway, we're in our, our facility. We're in the old bones of one of those pre-prohibition breweries. And, um, and it's just a really unique and beautiful space. It's 25,000 square foot tap room for the public to enjoy, you know, with like 40 foot ceilings. And it's just this concrete, you know, massive space. And, you know, and we're in the heart of downtown. We're like on the Northern edge of it, but, it's become a point where, you know, it's just unique space and a good place to, for people to come and congregate and sort of be together. So it's a big beer hall. And, um, you know, so it's a combination our success. I think it's a combination of the product and then the, 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 the dedication of our employees and, uh, and in the space and how Cincinnati has just really taken to us and, and, uh, and supported us. I mean, Cincinnati is such a, I mean, it, it's, a little bit like St. Louis in that it's a it's a somewhat neglected American uh, story in terms of history and the legacy that that is there, you know. And it's great to see you know what you've done there with a uh, with converting that old uh, brewery into a really spectacular space. I mean, it's again part of that urban renewal that's going on throughout the U.S. But it's great to see in, in a city like Cincinnati. Yeah. I'll I'll let the uh, the St. Louis reference slide if you want to talk about baseball. <laughs> I'll consider you guys friends. So. <laughs> hey Dennis, are you are you good? Did you guys manage to get your beer into the ballpark then? We do. Yeah, awesome. we do. We've we've had it in there for a few years. Cincinnati, uh, the ballpark has has done a really nice job at sort of celebrating local local craft beer for awesome. the last few years. Um, so pretty much, uh, yeah, right after we launched actually, uh, sort of the, the baseball season after that, we, we jumped in there and we've, we've done really well with it there. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to know that, uh, Cincinnati has a ballpark that's friendly to the craft uh, culture. I know that's just, that's the way it is at Safeco. You can go in there and just have your choice of lots of excellent craft beers, uh, Georgetown, Bell Breaker, I mean, all the rock stars. Uh, you don't have Marge shots anymore. They're there to make it make a sausage-flavored <laughs> beer or something like that, right? So, no, no. <laughs> or a dog-themed a dog yeah. beer. <laughs> yeah. So did you grow up in Cincinnati, Dennis? I mean, you've been a lifelong Reds fan, or is this something more recent? Definitely lifelong Reds fan. I, I grew up about an hour north of Cincinnati, but uh, the sort of quick hi- history for me is that you know, my dad had uh, a colleague from work who had season tickets to the Reds. And so basically just at any game you ever want to go to, let us know. So we went to, I don't know, as a kid, it seemed like a lot. It may have only been five a year or something, sort of 
but you know it was a handful of games that we would go to every year and uh it was good seats and i i can literally remember i I was born in the early 70s so i can remember growing up during the big red machine those were my first memories of uh of baseball in cincinnati so yeah lifelong reds fan i lived in new york city for for about 10 years i also lived uh lived in denver for a while and uh and never stopped reading about the reds you you never became a stinking yankee fan did you (laughs) Definitely, definitely not a Yankee fan. I mean, you know, if you're a fan of baseball, and I'm a, I just, I love the game, and you know, you go to Yankees games and things like that. But uh, I would always go to Mets games when they played the Reds, and I'd go to every one of them. It'd be a three or four game series, and I'd get a lot of flack from Mets fans for, you know, for my uh, attire. Um, and then Denver, of course, is a great baseball city, and the Rockies are a heck of a lot of fun. They made it to the World Series when I lived out there, so. Um, sort of, I, I equate Cincinnati and, and Denver as sort of similar kind of small market team. You just, just had to wear, uh, you just had to wear your, uh, Tom Seaver's Reds uh, uniform instead <laughs> yeah. of, uh, the Mets uniform when you went into New York. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Dennis, you probably have great memories of that 1990 team oh, yeah. that, uh, Lou Pinella. Oh, heck yeah. Near and dear to our hearts as Mariner fans, uh, we we loved Lou. Yeah. Kind of led us through our glory days. Uh, but uh, uh, that was an amazing team. I mean, I, I think they led uh, wire to wire that mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was wire to wire. I had the I had the privilege of of getting the game two of the playoffs that year. I think yeah. uh, of of the uh, championship series, and then I went to game two of the World Series as well. And that's like, again, my dad was a hardcore Reds fan. I mean, the guy, you know, nowadays you've got your phone with your ear, earbuds, but he had his little radio <laughs> always in his pocket with, with an earbud in, you know, all the time watching Reds games. And, um, again, his, his colleague from work was able to get tickets to both of those games. Well, the World Series game, they both were out of town on a business trip. <laughs> And to this day, I couldn't get my dad to talk to me about that baseball game because, <laughs> you know, I went, it was game two, and uh, the Reds won it, I want to say, in 11 innings. Yeah. You know, you... Billy Bates hit a bunt single, like a guy that nobody's ever heard of before or after. Um, you know, it, yeah, it was just a highlight of, of my life for sure as a lifelong Reds fan and hope, hoping one day we get back to uh, to something like that because I, I – I'll go to a lot of games and have a partial season ticket package now and uh, can't get enough of, of the Reds. Yeah. That game, too, you got to watch some free baseball going into extra innings. And uh, that hit, yeah. if I remember right, the hit was off of Dennis Eckersley. And uh, the the reason yep. that uh, that game comes or that, that whole World Series comes back to memory for me is that uh, – we are moving with our new logo from Oakland A's colors to Cincinnati Reds colors. So uh, you should be proud of us. Nice. We're, we're, we're making. I that. am very proud, and I'm and I'm really impressed too because um, uh, you're you're a fan of the game. That's for sure. To to know those kind of details about a particular game back then, but. Yeah, I've when Mike asked me to do this podcast, I said, "Geez, the only three three things I know anything about is hops, beer, and baseball." So this will be easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. 
Uh, Dennis, uh, back back to your brewery just for a minute. So you're selling in uh, at what? It's not Riverfront Stadium anymore. I'm apologize. What is the name of the new Red Stadium? No, it's Great Great American Great Ballpark. American Park. So and they were trying to name yeah, it the Pete great. Rose Park for a while, and that that got shot down. I know, but uh, I wouldn't yeah. bet on I wouldn't bet on that working out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now this city still really loves Pete. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of accolades to beat in the city and stuff, but even even if the rest of baseball doesn't doesn't you, really want to have anything to do with them. You folks even have a beer named Hustle. I assume that has something to do with uh, Charlie. Charlie Hustle. Yeah. yeah, yep, it does. I mean, you know, when you look at sort of Red's tradition, and then you try to meld it with you know our brand or sort of like the simplicity of some of the names and stuff that we come up with with our beers. Um, hustle seemed to fit for a, a sort of baseball season beer. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it does. And, and in fact, we can that beer. And, uh, we, last year we went away from our can from a couple years ago, which had sort of base, uh, baseball seams on it. And we got a lot of flack for that. So we had to bring back the baseball theme or, you know, themed can again this year. So it was kind of funny, but, uh, yeah. Cool. It was it was always great to watch uh, Pete run out walks, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. Gosh, you know, and, and then, you know, obviously a good player all around. But, and then uh, steal second. Yeah. Like nobody's paying attention, so I'm going to keep running. Yep. Uh, yeah. My old, uh, uh, my little league, uh, all the way through for a long time, I, my, I was a catcher, and my catcher's mitt was a Rollins Johnny Bench signed uh, catcher's mitt, so. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Good, good memories with these guys, yeah. So where, where is the current team? I mean, uh, other than Steve Harvey, I mean, you got Scooter Janet, but you, it, it's got to be a little bit tough right now. How does it look? I mean, obviously, not great right now. But is the farm system strong? Is it something where a couple of years from now the Reds are going to be back in contention in that very strong National League Central? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, the Central is is really tough right now. You know, with, with both St. Louis and the Cubs are always going to be tough. Um, and, yeah, I think the farm system, we have some, some good prospects and stuff that, that should come up. But, you know, as we all know, pitching is a big deal. Uh, and, and our bats have been fairly solid. We had a really rough first half of this year. I think we started like 3-18, and 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, at which point we fired Brian Price. Mm-hmm. And so Jim Riggleman, who used to coach the Nationals, uh, um, he he was the bench coach, so he's taken over as interim. And he's done a really nice job. It seems like the players respect him, and he's got some locker room control in there. And he's, you know, he's playing around. He's creative. They've got a six-man starting rotation right now, which is interesting, and I think probably the only one in baseball. Um and, and my theory up until a couple of weeks ago was that they probably had that just to, uh, you know, to trade one of those guys. Matt Harvey was one that we picked up from the Mets. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I really, and everybody thought Harvey would go at the trade deadline, but for some reason they weren't able to move him. But, um, he's, he's one that's probably top of the list for potential move on waivers, uh, during August, I think. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we've, we've struggled, but I mean, in the last, uh, like 90, yeah, in the last like 90 games or so, I think we're like three games over 500. So for as, as tough of a season as it's been and losing a manager and, and all the other thing, you know, injuries and things that go along with that, like, you know, you, you pointed Scooter Jeanette has done really well. Eugenio Suarez is, 
he's got I think 24 home runs or so pop, now. Yeah, like yeah. he's yeah, he had he had five home you know five games in a row last week where he had home runs. So uh, and of course like you know people like me I'll, like I'll always be a fan and I'll always go to games. The start of this season was like it it was it's always hard when you go through that. But even even when the team is struggling and stuff, you've got people like Joey Votto, who's just the guy. He's there's no class. hitter that I've ever seen. In, yeah, in his his eye, he's he's a lot of fun to watch because if the guy strikes out, he looks at the umpire. Yep. Nine and a half times out of ten, I guarantee, if you look at that pitch, the umpire was wrong, not him. Yep. yep. Like that guy, he's he's unreal. So you still have some staples on the team that are that are making it fun for the fans. Yeah. but of course you know every fan wants to think that we're going to make it to the world series every year so um but the farm system we've got a we've got a guy up in dayton right now hunter green that's fresh out of high school and he oh sure i think he, he pitched a game he pitched a game a, a month or so ago where i think he had like 15 pitches in a row that were over 100 miles an hour um oh, and he's a 19 year old kid with a lot of maturity he's not just like a hot you know a hot kid so probably get some Tommy John surgery out of the way here soon. And <laughs> <laughs> pitching, pitching fireballs like that in your teens is probably yeah. not the, uh, you know, the, the best way to have a long career. But, yeah, um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, the farm system has a few good, good people and stuff. And hopefully we can, we can kind of pull it together in the next couple of years when we do still do have a Joey Votto and, um, you know, those guys can sort of mentor some of these, these mm-hmm. younger kids that are coming up. So. And I think the the team has a good young core as well with, you know, Jeanette there at second base and Suarez is having a great year at third base. Um, yeah. I, I go down to spring training every year and always enjoy a game or two over a good year to watch the Reds and have watched Joey Votto for years and really appreciate that guy for He's a world-class guy, just being yeah. a hard-nosed baseball player. Oh, man. But, uh and yeah. Jeanette, I don't know whether to blame Scooter Jeanette or Edwin Diaz for costing <laughs> uh, Gene Segura a All-Star Game MVP, but uh, that was yeah. <laughs> that was quite a game. And uh, I know, yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's an up-and-comer. He's he's going to be a good one for years to come, I think. Yeah, and and he's also. I mean, I'm into storytelling, and he's he's one that he. I think he was he he was born in Cincinnati and grew up here until he was like nine. And then his family moved him to move to Florida, I think, so he could basically play baseball like year round. But, but you know, he's like five eight or five nine. I think they've got him listed at like five ten. But uh, like that's, I think that's a stretch. Um, and he's just he's a workhorse, and he's and he's what in the top five in the league, I think, in batting right now. The guy is like he's yep. unreal. But there's a cute story. He, I think, it was his uh, like kindergarten teacher. He. He gave her a gift of a of a baseball uh, on the like the last day of school, and uh, and he signed it and <laughs> on the sign- and he so he signed his name and he said you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a famous baseball player one day yeah. on the ball, <laughs> and uh, so there's a good story in the paper earlier this season where he uh, he met back up with her and he gave her a a, a game ball now and uh, and you know sort of true to true to form he's he made it happen so yeah. pretty cool story. Very cool. Steve, speaking of uh, struggling a little bit, the Mariners have hit finally a rough patch uh, for the first time kind of all year, huh? Yeah, it's kind of frustrating to watch them. They've got a home series right now against the Blue Jays, which is just 
probably one of the most miserable games I've been to is when the hordes from Canada come down and <laughs> invade Safeco. Uh, but, uh, yeah, lost again last night. Actually, the A's have a half-game lead on us now in the wild card. So right. the good news is we've got uh, 10 more games to play against the A's before the end of the season. So there's ever That'll make or break it one way or another. Yeah. It really will. Yeah. Uh, that, that'll be the key. But... Uh, Anyway, it's it's baseball. It's kind of like growing hops. You know, you have times when you, the crop looks good and other times when uh, it doesn't look so good, and the same thing goes for baseball. Well, Dennis, thank you very yeah. much for taking time to be with us. We're going to talk about uh, hops for a few minutes, but really appreciate your uh, your time with us. You guys are making great beer, and, um, you know, very, very proud to call you a partner of Yakima Chief Hops. And as are we. Thank you. Thanks for including about including us and thinking of us. We good, appreciate it. Good luck, Dennis, and uh, we're uh, wishing you nothing but good hops uh, for the future. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll uh, we'll see you here uh, shortly. I think for harvest. Season, yeah, right? Looking, that's right. Looking forward to uh, seeing you when you guys are out for selection. Well, all right. Thanks, Dennis. It's amazing, Steve. Uh, we just went through some really hot weather here, and uh, seeing the the forecast, it's going to get hot again next week. Uh, talking to a couple of our growers this morning, they're starting to get a little bit more concerned. Or what are you what are you seeing and hearing out there now? You know, I think we made it through the first stretch of triple digits uh, in pretty good shape. The the bloom seems to be hanging in there. Um, I think that. Uh, this cool weather for the next few days as that late bloom continues to develop is going to be a positive. Uh, we've got plenty of water this year. I mean, that, that's, that's a big plus for us. Uh, the varieties that had the early bloom like Centennial and, and some Simcoe in Idaho and other parts, um, they're, they're not going to recover. They're, the yields are going to be hurt a little bit by that. But uh, uh, all in all, uh, you know, we just kind of finished our first uh, internal crop projection. It looks like a good normal crop when you factor in all the variability that's out there. If you compare this year to last year, and there's, uh, as we know, there wasn't a lot of acreage increase. What was there was really geared towards CTZ. A lot of that's going to be babies, uh, mm -hmm. so that's really going to be geared towards the alpha market. But if you look at say the hops that we focus on together with uh, with our breeding partner Yakima Chief Ranches, those those HBC varieties uh, or Yakima Chief Ranch varieties. Last year the yields were quite a bit above say a four or five year average. Mm -hmm. Do you think they're going to get to that level again of terms of yield per acre or is it going to be back to that sort of four or five year average? Yeah. I think for the most part, uh, we're projecting the Simcoe average yield to be off just a little bit when you factor in the, the early bloom stuff. Um, the good news is the growers that took out Simcoe um, are planning on replanting in a year or two using virus-free roots. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're, we're looking forward to, uh, again, increasing our overall quality for our Simcoe uh, in that way. I think Citra has definitely developed a nice vine out there to support a good crop, mm -hmm. and that's the variety that we need. Our customers are telling us that uh, we needed to increase our acreage this year a bit to meet demand. Um, the question will be how will those cones weigh out and uh, will it translate into uh, decent yields? We just don't know quite yet. 
Mosaic, uh, I think in general, was kind of off to a slow start. I see some yards that uh, have a little bit of early bloom, but I also know that that's a variety that will just bloom almost right through harvest and will continue to develop as the season goes on. So we anticipate normal yields for Mosaic this year as well. Does, uh, with this kind of weather and where we were early, does it mean we accelerate some of the harvest dates for anything? Or are we still going to kind of go to traditional dates to optimize uh, quality? Yeah, I, th I think that uh, the harvest dates won't be significantly affected. It just seems like over the course of the year, things even out. And you're always within uh, two or three days, one way or the other in your harvest window. So I don't anticipate it being an early crop. I did talk to uh, one of my colleagues in Germany this morning, and they are anticipating uh, early harvest and Hollertau middle free and some of the other uh, German uh, noble varieties as well. What did they say about their crops? What's their latest uh, forecast? They're, they're a little more optimistic about the uh, alpha crop, um, but uh, the aroma crop will definitely be adversely affected by the early bloom and the uh, abnormally warm and, and dry summer that they've had. And looking forward to uh, opportunity here in uh, two weeks to be over there and, and see for myself what uh, the UK and German crop looks like. Sure, we're going to have to figure out how to do a podcast when you're on the other <laughs> side of the pond, huh? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll have to, we'll have to focus on uh, European-born players. I know my twins have uh, their right fielder, Max Kepler, is born in Germany. I don't, there's obviously other players, but... yeah. I'll be in UK for a few days. Maybe I can find a cricket match someplace to <laughs> <laughs> podcast from. You're gonna have to just get your mind around the idea that what looks like a foul ball is actually a good hit, right? So. Yeah, that's that's a sport I haven't quite figured out yet, but uh, that's okay. But back back to harvest times, and we've got uh, people starting to plan their trips out here for selection. But it seems like they don't need to make any adjustment to what they've got planned picking windows are not going to change so therefore keep on what you've got planned uh, and if you're if you're not if you're not if you haven't scheduled yet better get going because it's coming up real quick and uh, yeah it's going to be a crowded and busy time around here yeah it's always a challenging time for us but uh, very much an enjoyable time as well sure to, to bring our customers out and gives us a chance to uh, play out our mission and make those connections between family hop farms and uh our uh, our customers making great beer around the world absolutely well thanks again steve and uh we'll get together again next week and uh, hopefully it doesn't get too hot out there next week yep hope for the best <laughs>